the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you. Jesus, you the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's from my heart to the heavens. church Jesus be the center of your church and every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess you Jesus Jesus 
someone else has been in the center, God, if something else has been in the center, Lord, we on purpose right now say, Jesus, you are the center. You are, you are the reason we live. You are the reason we breathe. You are the reason we, um, we function in this life is because of you. And we recognize your greatness today. We recognize your might, your power, your sovereignty. We recognize your authority. We recognize everything about you today in this place. We belong to you. And Lord, if there's someone here today and you're not the center of their life, God, for whatever reason, God, if you're not leading their life, God, I pray that today would be the day when they would experience a powerful move of you in them. Bless us today, God, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is so good to see you here today. And uh, we just came back from camp. My voice was fine till this morning. I don't know what happened. I had like a delayed reaction or something. But uh, what, a, what a great week. I hope you've had a good week. And, uh, you know, if you've had a good week, let's take a few minutes and let's share it with everybody around you. So let's take a few minutes and greet each other today. God bless you. And whether you call Praise Assembly home or you are our guest today, we want to welcome you. It's so good to see you. Uh, we have these Connect cards in front of you. If you're a guest, maybe it's your first time here today, second, third time, but you haven't completed one of these, if you would fill one out and return it to the guest services uh, desk in the lobby. That would be a huge help to us. We'd greatly appreciate it. I know I say it. I, I know I say I sound like a broken record. I say it every single week. But if you would do it, that would be tremendous. Ushers, if you would come, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering. And I uh, just want to commend uh, some of you. I'm not going to name you, but you know, generosity is one of those things that uh, is contagious. And uh, we had, uh, we had a, a couple students, it's just tough to go to camp, and we had a couple people step up and said, hey, I'll, I'll help with someone for camp. And then they found out somebody else was helping, well, I'll help too. And so when you and I are generous, it really is catchy, it's contagious. And I just want to thank those of you that said, you know, uh, middle school, high school students are important, and we want to be able to invest in their life. Um, and uh, we just want you to know that your investment is powerful. And it was well worth it this week. And so, again, generosity, what a, what a powerful tool in the hands of God. Let's pray today. Lord, we honor you for the ability and the opportunity 
to worship you in giving. And I pray that in your mighty name that it would be accomplished and that you would uh, further the work of your kingdom here and around the world. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Team, appreciate you guys. Hey, a few announcements, and uh, we just have a couple today. Uh, beginning on July 12th, so we've got uh, this Wednesday, pull it on my phone, make sure I got the accurate dates. Uh, we have this Wednesday, it's just the 28th. We're going to be finishing up the study on the book of Revelation. And then the night of uh, July 5th, there will be, uh, there will be no... Um, activities here that night on July 5th. Just make sure you make note of that. And then on the 12th, as you can see in your, in your bulletin, we're going to begin a study 
entitled Compassion Without Compromise. And I'm not going to read it out loud because it's just, you can just read the whole thing. But it's a study, um, and uh, it's a study concerning sexuality, same-sex attraction, uh, homosexuality. Uh, it is a powerful study. Dr. Linda, si Linda Seiler uh, was the guest speaker at our spring um, event we had, not this past spring, but a year ago. And uh, for everybody that had an opportunity for youth ministry, uh, and anybody that had an opportunity to be there knows what a what a what a blessing, how anointed she was to speak to this issue from her own life, from her own experience, um, and from, of course, the most important thing, the Word of God. And so that'll be happening. That'll be beginning on July the twelfth. What day? July what? Excellent. And that'll be when that's going to start. So make sure you you make it out to that. It will be well worth your time. Uh, ladies, morning night out. Make sure you're aware of that Thursday, the 29th at 10 a.m. at Cracker Barrel in Elkton. And uh, praise you. Don't forget this Friday. This is the last day that I can know if your middle school or high school student is going to be coming to Guppy Gulch. For those that will be going into sixth grade, not quite yet. Uh, for our graduating seniors, you can still be a part of this, but I need to know for sure by today. It's $30. That includes lunch. And then um, one last announcement concerning that is that on our first Friday of the month when we usually have youth here, we're actually going to be loading up the van earlier, not 7, okay, 5.30 on the 7th of July at 5.30. We're going to be leaving here, heading down to Calvary Church in Dover, joining their youth ministry and a few others, and we're going to have a night we call Color Wars. And there's going to be all kinds of powder and stuff, so make sure you bring a backpack, change of clothes, towel, all that good stuff, but we'll be in touch with you uh, about that a little more. That's 10 bucks for the night, including food. So those are some things happening. But I'd like to take a moment, if I would, uh, to invite Larry Mon. If you would please come up here, Mr. Larry Mon. Mr. Larry Mon. He's like, what in the world is going on? And Larry just loves to be in front of everyone. It's his favorite thing. Come stand up next to me, if you would, my friend. And uh, Larry, while you were out gallivanting around the world on a cruise ship, wrestling bears in Alaska, when you were there eating elk and whatever the other things you were doing, um, we had the day when we recognized our man of the year. And we, had, we did something, Pastor had communicated, there's something we had done, uh, we had not done before. We had two men of the year. It was very hard to decide. And you know what, we're like, why do we have to decide? We've got two men. And so Howard Heckman was the man of the year, but also it was Larry Mon. And we just want to thank you for who you are, for what you mean to our church. And uh, we appreciate you and we want you to know that. And we want to recognize you as the man of the year for 2023. Let's give it up for Larry. And uh, if we could have, we could have somebody get a picture, that would be great. Someone get a picture. So put on your best smile. Actually, can you step over there a touch? That'd be great. And why don't, you, why don't you hold this, you hold this up, and I'll just stand next to you. <laughs> That's right. But uh, no, we, we appreciate Howard and uh, appreciate Larry and... Uh, what do we do about uh, faithful people in, in, in the church? 
And uh, today we have our very own Pastor Brandon Flanagan. He, uh, he leads worship. He plays guitar, I mean, guitar and keyboard. He sings. He juggles. He dances. But today, he's going to give us the word of God. Jesus said. God bless you, man. Pastor Hans, you never have to apologize. You could read the phone book, and I'd be just like in awe of how you read. <laughs> yeah, Larry, I don't know what you were saying. You were pointing at me saying something on your way down. I don't know. You were putting me on the spot. Don't put me on the spot. I, I thought for sure, I, I found out I'm not eligible. I'm a staff person. But there was a little bit of me, when they said two people, I thought me and Hans, <laughs> me and Pastor Hans are going to be men of the year because, as he often says, together we make one great man. So, <laughs> Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we are continuing in our series, Jesus Said. And uh, pa Pastor had... Uh, he was sending us an email. He was like firing these things at us. Hey, here's my week two. Here's my week three. Guys, come up with your topics so we don't overlap or we don't pick the same ones. I think he had four before I even had my one that I'm doing right now. And then I, I was like, I'll do this one, but then I have this verse too. And then Pastor Hans sent his with the same verse I had chosen for my second one. But I deferred. He is my elder. <laughs> It was Father's Day, and it was important that that message get across. So today, I, I want to just give you a little bit of context first uh, before we actually get into our verses. Matthew 14, uh, Jesus and the disciples are full at it. They are, they are going and ministering to people, and, and Jesus really, uh, at this point, he needs rest. You know, Jesus was God, but he was also fully man. And so he had the same uh, things that would, would tire us out. I, I can tell you this morning, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to stand. I said I might pull the seat up. I've been doing work in my house. And I'm, I'm feeling my age, if that's something, at 50 years old. But I'm feeling it this morning. I felt it more last night in bed every time I went to turn over. And I was like, how am I going to stand up here uh, for however long? And... But, and Pastor Hans even offered to come hold my arms up as they did, you know, in the Old Testament. But I think I'm going to be okay. Jesus knew what it was to be tired. He knew what it was to, to need rest. And at this point, just before what I'm going to read this morning, Jesus has just found out that John the Baptist, who was his cousin and his friend, was just beheaded. Um, and... As you can imagine, just as Jesus felt tired, felt pain, he also grieved. And he was grieving John the Baptist. And it says that upon hearing this, he got in a boat and he went out on his own. But when he arrived at the, at the shore and he stepped out onto the shore, the people had found out that Jesus was going to be there. And they once again brought their sick and their they're, they're hurting, and Jesus had compassion on them, as Jesus always did. And he found a way, and he healed them, and he touched them. And still in need of rest, now this group of people that have collected, now what are we going to do with all these people? We can send them back into town. The hour's getting late. And the disciples' suggestion is send them away. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. And as you know, if you've heard the the 
feeding of the 5,000. Uh, Jesus creates more than, than what was possible. Doesn't Jesus always do that? With what little we have, he's able to take it and expound upon it. And so he goes and he feeds the 5,000. In, in John's account of this, we're going to be reading from Matthew 14. In John's account of this same uh, time, John said that after Jesus fed the 5,000, and again, this is in upwards of thousands beyond the 5,000 with women and children, they are ready to name him king. They want a king, and he is it. And as you know, that was not Jesus' plan. And he withdrew, and he, he, we come to our section now where he is telling his disciples, and I'll just go ahead and read it, Matthew 14, 22 through 33. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he, sent the people, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. I can only feel for Jesus who just wants some time alone to pray, to grieve. And yet he, just as he does in our life, aren't you thankful he's never, he never grows weary? He's never tired. He always has time for us, and he always made time for them. Verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshiped him. You are really the son of God, they exclaimed. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for your words to us. Lord, you were speaking to Peter. You were speaking to the disciples. But today, you are speaking to us, God. And I pray that you would uh, enlighten us, Lord God. Open our hearts to receive, Holy Spirit, what we have to hear today. And let us apply it to our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may be familiar with this is not the first time the disciples have been in this situation. Many of them were fishermen. I mean, you would think that they've experienced enough storms to know what to expect. This says they were terrified. But in another part, in Matthew chapter 8, again, Jesus is now on the boat with them. And he's sleeping while this is going on. And they are terrified, and they go, they wake Jesus, and they, you know, they say, you have to help us. And Jesus again says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And with that, he speaks to the winds, he speaks to the waves, and the sea is calm, just by his words. So once again, they find themselves in a very similar situation, albeit Jesus is not with them in the boat. He knows exactly where they're at. Do you know that in the storms of life, Jesus knows where you're at. He's not wondering, oh, what's going on? He, he, he knows everything about us, but there are reasons sometimes that we go through the things we go through. And I'm fairly certain today that the words I want to focus on 
many of us need to hear today. Um, and also, there's a question that Jesus asks, and I believe he is asking us as well. So first, let's take the first part of this. Jesus says, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Now, the pounding waves that they were facing and what put the fear in them, I find it ironic that Jesus comes walking on those very same waves. He is not deterred by it. He is not frightened by it, but he comes and he, he walks to them. Now, notice that Jesus, he could simply, when they, he hears that they're afraid, he could simply just calm the sea and everything would be okay, but he doesn't do that. You would think that would be like the first thing he would do, but no, with his words, he comforts them. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And I believe today the Lord is telling you, don't be afraid. I'm here. Take courage. And we need to hold to that in our lives. Do you know that the Bible uses some form of do not be afraid or fear not over a, a couple of hundred times in Scripture? Which tells me we're prone to being afraid. And it, it tells me that God knows that we're prone to being afraid. And yet he assures us over and over again, do not be afraid, fear not, I am here. Hallelujah. From the youngest age, you know, I, I've done this with my children, you've done this with your children. We want our children to trust us. And how do you build that trust? What better way but than to put them up on the kitchen counter and say, jump to me. You know, I did that. You do it in a pool. You're trying to get them, you can, you can trust me. I, I, I thought, Pastor Hans, maybe we would do a trust fall this morning, but I don't know that I trust you that much. Um, <laughs> we try so hard, and it's, it's with everything within them that they, they want to jump, but they're just not sure. And if you're anything like me, when I finally knew they were going to jump, I would turn away. I would catch them. But I would turn away just to watch them try to stay and fall and all of that. But, and, and I don't know if that's, you know, well, why would they ever trust me again if I turn away when they go to jump? But we want them to trust us. We want them to, to know that we are there in every, every aspect. And we're, and we're teaching them that they can trust us. I, I'm telling on myself a little bit here today. I'm okay. I'm 50 years old. I can get past my past. But when I was a kid... And I have a kid like this now. I was, be, before like anxiety was a diagnosable thing, I had anxiety. And, uh, and maybe it was diagnosed back then, but I just didn't know what it was. I just knew I didn't like it when my parents went out and left us home. First of all, my older brother was not the best babysitter. <laughs> I think my sister can attest to that. It was always like, what kind of trouble can we get in in the next couple of hours? Typically, my parents would go to uh, another couple's from church. And um, the, the problem is, mom and dad, who are here this morning, and I can talk right to them, is you said you'd be home at 10 o'clock, and you weren't home at 10 o'clock. Now, who is the parent in this situation? I'm not, you know. But as my anxiety would fill, I'm watching 9.50, 9.55. They said they're going to be home at 10. And when they didn't come home at 10, Every, every, everything I could think of was going on, but they weren't where they're supposed to be. They're on the side of the road, you know, they're dead. You know, as a, a kid, I want to say I was probably 17. No, I'm kidding. I was, I was probably like 12 or 13, and I just had this about me. And 
I, I would try to put it out of my mind. I would try to not think about it, but they weren't home. And so I knew where they were, so I'd call the house. Can, can I talk to my dad or my mom? Yes. You, you said you'd be home at 10. You're not home yet. <laughs> we'll be leaving soon. All right, what, what does that mean? Are you leaving now? Are you coming home? <laughs> Again, who is the parent in this situation? I don't know. Um, one guy got so good, before caller ID, I would call and he would go, hello, Brandon. I was like, uh, you know, again, the whole thing, when are you coming home? So in the, at this particular time, we lived in a house that it, had, uh, it was a bi-level, so you, you were, lived upstairs mainly. And I could see out, especially in the, in the fall and winter time, you could see all the way out to the front of the um, neighborhood entrance. And at 10 o'clock, I'd be looking, I'd see headlights come in. And it was probably like a half a mile drive, and I'd watch that car, uh, no, it turned into another house. Uh, there's some headlights, uh, it's coming, no, right past our house. But then I knew their car, and when I'd see it, I'd run off to bed, as if nothing, no, I'm not bothered by anything. Little did I know, my dad said, we saw you every time. <laughs> we saw you run and knew, and the truth was, they didn't need to come and say anything. They didn't need to say, we're home, you can go to sleep now. I acted like I was sleeping. All I needed to know is they were home. All I needed to know was they were there. And today, Jesus wants you to know he's there. He's there. He knows the, the stresses you're feeling. He knows the anxieties you're feeling. He wants you to know above all of that, he's there. Pastor Hans said it. We sang the song, Jesus at the Center, many times. He's not at the center. The, the problem that we're facing is at the center, and we push Jesus to the side. He wants to be at the center. But until that time comes, again, my scenarios were running wild. And then as soon as they got home, all that was dispelled. Can I tell you today, it is, as a 50-year-old person, as a 50-year-old man, I still need that assurance from my Heavenly Father. I don't, I don't necessarily need it from my parents anymore. They can do whatever they want now, but... But to know that he is there makes all the difference. Is that true in your case today? Just to know that he's there. You don't necessarily need him to enact anything. You don't need him to show you his power. Just to know in simple faith, he is there. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says this, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who, who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Anybody going through deep waters? Don't even tell me, just deep waters. Today, you're going through deep waters. Jesus says you will not be overwhelmed. You will not drown. And that is something we all need to remember and remind ourselves of today. Who doesn't love hearing Jesus saying, don't be afraid, I am here. But to have what he says next in these verses is a little tough. You have so little faith. And I don't know about you, but I, I know it can be said about me many times. I have little faith. 
Notice this, though, with Peter. He didn't say, you have no faith. He said, you have little faith. And, you know, the Bible says if you had the, the faith of a mustard, the size of a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to move, and it would move. And I've never done that. So does that mean I have not even little faith? Because a lot of times I am uh, maybe sometimes skeptical in my life, and maybe you're that way too, and, and you just, you're, you're always looking for God and all of these things, and you want to hear an answer. Anybody want to hear an answer today that you're not hearing? We all want to hear that answer, but we have to know in simple faith, he is there, and he is saying, why do you have so little faith? Trust me. Just as I, I, I would do that with my children, and you know, now, now they can do it. I think you can jump into the pool now, right, Brandon? You can do that, because I, 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 I made you trust that you could do it. But even in this scenario, and in this situation, they have Jesus standing right in front of them. And yet, Peter finds a way to have little faith. And that tells me that it's something difficult. It doesn't have to be, but we make it difficult. I'll say this too, and I've heard this you know, before in, in different uh, sermons about this, is that say what you want about Peter, but there were 11 other guys sitting on that boat who weren't getting out of that boat. They were just staring over the bow and what's going to happen? They didn't even have faith that Peter could do it. And he gets out and he steps out and he walks on the water. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're in the throes of it right now. Albeit you're not attempting to walk on the water, but we all face, we, we all like this saying, the storms of life, but it's true. It is true that we all go through these things, but we know we know we can trust him. He's proven himself time and time again, yet we still uh, just become overwhelmed by fear. There's a song, maybe you know it, Fear is a Liar, and that's the truth. Fear is a liar this morning. Do you know that uh, as hard as this is to imagine, but you know this, especially if you have children, that sometimes storms are a benefit to us for our growth. And we don't think of it that way. We don't welcome them. But they come in our lives, and we know that at the end of that, we've just grown deeper in the Lord than we were before we went through that. Because he's carried us through, and he's shown us his way. If you're raising children, so, sometimes they got to bump their heads. Sometimes they got to fall down, and, and you pick them up. But they've got to learn the lesson, and we know this. Um, and that's what Jesus does with, that, with us many, many times. We shouldn't always, as we often do, look for the quick out. I, you know, I went through a situation a couple of years ago that I thought, God, did I, just, did I just run from an experience that you wanted to teach me in? And I struggled with that because I, th I thought I did what God wanted me to do, and yet th the other side of me was saying, Lord, did I just run from uh, an opportunity to grow and to learn, and I just wanted the quick out? Um, but I, I have to trust, I'm, I mean, I'm here today. I'm with you today, and I know that God would be in that. He's brought me here to speak on, what, June 25th, 26th, whatever day it is. I mean, so he knows. He knows what he was doing. It's just in me, and maybe my 50-year-old anxiety now kicking up. Did I make the right decision? Did I, you know, we can do that many times. We have to know that God was in it. He orchestrated it. Just keep moving. Just keep moving through. Um, do you know that sometimes uh, you can be 
in the will of God. You're doing, you're doing great. You're doing everything. And yet a storm can come into your life. And sometimes that, maybe that's the question you ask. Lord, I'm doing everything right. Why am I going through this? And my, my thing would be we can never judge our security based on our circumstances. We can't do it. And as we grow in the Lord, that will become more familiar. And maybe when you're new in the Lord, it's not so clear. But the storm came to these disciples, and they were in the will of God. Jesus told them to go. He insisted, it says, to get in the boat and go, and I'll, I'll send the people home. Did Jesus know the storm was going to come? Absolutely. Did he li- li- deliberately direct them into the storm? What do you think? Go ahead. You can have open conversation just, just this one time. Yes, yes. But the truth is they were safer in the storm in God's will than they were back on land. And I say that to say this. When I said that the, the people who, uh, the 5,000 that Jesus fed, they wanted to make him king, the disciples were all about that. They wanted to make Jesus king too. They didn't understand yet that his plan was the cross. And they would, have, they would have joined right in with the crowd. Maybe that's why Jesus sent them on. You better get out of here because this is starting to, to work its way up. And you need to be in God's will. Sometimes that's a safer place. Think about Jonah. Jonah was out of God's will and, you know, again, in a boat. How did that work out? You know, he got thrown over and, you know, the, the, you know the story of that. Sometimes it is God's will that we be in this storm, but know that rather than look for the quick exit, we can say, God, carry me through. You've done it before. You can do it again. Carry me through. Now, I can think of a lot of things I would love the Lord to say about me. And who of us doesn't want to hear when we make it to heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of us want to hear that? We all want to hear that. To have him say you have little faith, that's kind of like, that's a top 10 of things I never want to hear the Lord say. But this next one is one that would have to top the list. Why did you doubt me? What, what reason has God given us to ever doubt him? And Jesus reaches in, he grabs Peter, and I believe he's asking us that today is, why did you doubt me? Have you ever been, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't know how else to write this. Have, has anybody ever doubted you? And what does that feel like? You know, you feel like you've got to somehow convince them or, or whatever, but it hurts if somebody doubts you. You say, you say you're, I'm going to be there, I'm going to do it, and they're not so sure. It's like you want to go over and above to prove them wrong, and here they are, they're doubting the Lord. The word translated comes from a meaning and as you can imagine this, it's, it's standing uncertainly at two ways. The, the proverbial fork in the road that we all come to in life and in situations and in, in every day, you're standing uncertainly at the fork in the road, basically. And the trouble is, like Peter, we start to uh, run into, we go in with great faith, And all of a sudden, a little bit of wind, a little bit of waves, a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiety pops up. And pretty soon we go from great faith to little faith. And we go from, we we come to that that undecided way and we pick the wrong way. 
when really there is only one way, and you know it this morning. You know it. And so we need to be attentive to, you know, how many of you, how many of you have ever asked God about a spouse, about getting married, about a job, about a life-altering decision, we all go to God and we ask him for these things. James 1, 5 through 8 says this. I know, I know you know these verses well, and I, I know this, this sermon may not be like mind-blowing. I want to encourage you today because Jesus, these are his words. But in James, this is not Jesus' words. Well, it is. It's the Holy Spirit, and that's Jesus. Yeah. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and what? Not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Jesus says, why did you doubt me? Can I ask you this morning, has Jesus proven himself faithful in your life before? Absolutely. We can all say that. Has he answered prayers maybe for healing or, or for something, you know, a, a family member or something? Has he done that? Amen. So why? Why, oh Lord, why do we doubt? When we know he's done it before. And I believe, you know, sometimes we will grow. We will get to that point. If we, if we go through these storms, if we learn the lessons that God is teaching us through them, we won't doubt as much. We won't have such little faith because we know. We know the Lord. We know we are in him. We know he has our best in, 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 his, in, in our interest, his best, and we want to walk in it. Let me ask you this way. Is there a problem in the natural that Jesus can't take care of in the supernatural? Think about Jesus walking on water. It, you know, we, we see Moses uh, at the, the Red Sea, parting the seas and all of that. We've all seen this. None of them ever walked on water. And Peter got to experience that, and it is through the supernatural working of Jesus Christ. Some of the verses after this that we read, uh, Matthew 14, 34 and 36, it says, After they had crossed the lake, walked on water, they worshipped him, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the people recognized Jesus again, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all of their sick to be healed. They begged him to let them, the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. There's an old song. I don't know if I should sing it. Maybe we'll sing it together if you know it. Reach out and touch the Lord. Do you know it? As he goes by, you'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find he's not too busy. He's not too tired. He knows but he wants you to go to him. When you're in need, he wants you to go to him. And these are just a few reminders I want to leave us with today that we can kind of go by. 
There are certainly man-made storms. You do them to yourselves. We do them to ourselves. We can't blame God for some of this, no, this decisions we make, the bad decisions we make. We can't blame on God. But know that if it is of God, he brought you to where you're at. He knows where you're at. And whether it's a storm, again, we, we see Jonah in a storm of correction. Jonah was in disobedience to God, and maybe that's you. And maybe it's a, it's a storm that you're going through that is part of a bad decision that you've made, or it's a, uh, a storm that God is trying to teach you through. I would say if it's a, a storm of disobedience, get to repentance right away. Repent, Lord, I am, I am not willing to, to go of my own way. I want your will to be done. Through fearful circumstances, these disciples, in, in all of these things, and, and this I would say about any of us too, you don't really, really like grasp it at the time, but you realize that you came out at a deeper understanding of who the Lord is in your life and how much he does love you and want his best for you, and you would have never learned it had you not gone through the storm. So know that he knows that you're there. We read it, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. He knows best, and we need to say, Lord, have your way. As simple as that, Lord, have your way, not my way, have your way. Help me not to miss what you're trying to teach me. Are you, and I would say, are you teachable this morning? Are you willing to learn from the Lord? That's where we have to be at this morning. He brought me here. He knows where I'm at. Number two, he will help me grow. He'll help us grow in our faith, in our trust, in our strength, in our ability to recognize when he's at work. And when he seems far away, we'll, you know, the more we grow in him, we'll know that's not the case. You know, when we're young in the Lord and we're inexperienced in the Lord and we just feel like God doesn't hear me or he's not listening to me. And, you know, you can be a Christian all your life and feel sometimes that there, there's a loneliness. God is always there. My, my father had heart surgery. I don't even remember the year. It's, it's got to be quite a while ago. My parents went to see my aunt down in Ocala, Florida. It was a, it was a vacation. And they go down there, and my mom calls. She said, what, you know, what, what's the doctor's number? And I, I think I, it's so easy, 234-9109. Two, I, I know my doctor's number. Not, it's just an easy number to remember. We've been there forever. I said, why, what's going on? And she said, well, Dad, he's having a, and we were like, just, just go to the hospital. Not my dad. He doesn't want to go to the hospital. And, and I get you know, on vacation in Florida. He goes to the hospital. He needs five bypass open heart surgery. And he stayed in Ocala. I was like, Ocala, Florida? Like, but they ended up having one of the top uh, med, uh, heart hospitals at the time in Ocala, Florida. And so we flew down there and we went and I think they were down there for quite a few weeks after the surgery, but we went and we're all hoping, just like any of you would do, we walk in the room each day, he's had the surgery, and now we want to see Dad back. And he just was not coming around. I, I, it was an anesthesia thing or what, and it was just, we're, you know, we're counting down the days till we have to go home. 
and we're not getting any kind of sign, you know, that he's doing better, that he's back around. And one of the things I remember is we would go, you have to know, my family, like, laughter is how we deal with things. And we, we were making a ruckus in Ocala, Florida, I can tell you that. They were wondering when we were going home, too. Um, but I will tell you this, we, we would be at the hospital, all my brothers, uh, some of our wives, none of the kids were there. Um, but we would just laugh and have a good time. But we would go into my dad's room, and now he's starting to come around. But he's reaching for his water. I'm going to tell him my sister. She would reach and give it to him. And then he had to do his, his breathing. Anybody who's been through heart procedures, you'll know. Then you've got this thing that you've got to blow into a tube and get your air, get that ball floating up. And we would hand it to him. And the doctor finally said, you all need to go away for a little while. Because the truth is, he needed to be doing these things of his own. I'm not going to be there day and night, you know, feeding him and making him drink. He's got to do this on his own. My understanding is now, they have you up the next day walking around. Because you are not going to stay in that state very long. They want you out. And here, we thought we were helping. I'm, I'm helping dad. He needs a drink. No, he needs to be doing this on his own. And many times in our lives... We're allowing people to do for us when we need to be, we need to be doing of our own. There's a scripture that says, because we're, we're not baby Christians anymore, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We can't just expect to just keep taking all this in. We need to be acting upon it. And God is trying to teach us and he's trying to grow us to stand on our own. In him, obviously, but we need to be doers of his word. Amen. Finally this morning, know that if he's got you in the storm, he knows where you're at. He's helping you grow and he will bring you through. He will bring you through. The storms of life aren't easy, but we understand that they're necessary. I want to grow in the Lord. I hope you want to grow in the Lord. We were just talking about this this morning. Who came up to me at the end of, of Life Group? And we were, we were talking about, yeah, we all want to get to heaven. But the truth is, we know where we'll spend eternity, but how will we spend eternity? Because you know there's rewards given to us, even as Christians, when we get to heaven. We're not just supposed to be accepting and then just sit and wait for heaven. I mean, that's a great thing. We need to be doing. We need to be acting and know that God is working through us and for his benefit. In the verses that we look at, that we read, Notice how the end result of this whole thing of Peter walking on the water, sinking, Jesus pulling him out. He goes, he calms the waves, and it says they got back in the boat, and the disciples said, you are the Son of God, and they worshiped him. I want to tell you, when God comes through, it's very important he gets recognized for the glory. And we need to say, thank you, Lord. And we need to give him the credit and worship him. That is the proper response, especially when God does something amazing. You've been praying about it. Don't let it be lost on you. Don't, don't allow God to think that you just take it as everyday occurrence. Recognize God and give him the worship he deserves. So again, I believe that many of us need to hear these words. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. 
No matter what you're facing today, the waves are crashing, the deep waters, again, the Lord is saying you will not be consumed, but lean on him. Hallelujah. We just stand together as we, as we pray. And if you bow your heads, I want you to pray this way. Lord, help me not to waver. Help me not to doubt. I know you are the only way, the only choice I can make, and the only one I can look to. Father, only you know. Only you know this morning of everybody's troubles. Lord, some people make stuff public knowledge. Some people share with a friend. But Lord, you look at the inner heart. You know what's going on inside of us today. And God, we want to give you the opportunity, Lord, to step in, to take us through, to, to trust you, God, and to know that you will not fail us. You never fail, God. As your heads are bowed, if you want me to remember you in prayer right now, you're going through something and you just need, you need to remind yourself and you need to know the Lord is with you. Would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you see these hands. You know our hearts. God, and if we have been doing this on our own, feeling like there's nobody that understands, thank you, Lord, that you do. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you at any moment. And Lord, trust you and, and, and Lord, just have our faith in you, Lord, that you can do it. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. Because again, I know you were talking to Peter in that moment and those disciples, but you're talking to us today. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Father, help us, Lord, as we continue to grow in you. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just... Honor your word in our life, O oh God. And again, Lord, let us be doers of your word. To take this, Lord God, as not a challenge, Lord, but to put you to the test. Lord, to, to try you. If we've tried everything else and it's failed, God, why can't we give you the opportunity? I pray, Lord, that those that raise their hands today, Lord, they would find a way to allow and ask you to come, Lord, and, and make the difference. And just be honest and say we've tried everything of our own. And now we want to trust you, God. Father, I pray that you would move on our behalf, Lord, and just thank you for the opportunity of coming into your house today and worshiping you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we go through our, our lives in the week, and even, but on Sundays, Lord God, but each day, Lord, that you remain the focus. Lord, not, not the concerns we have in our heart. It doesn't mean they don't go away, but Lord, we trust you. Be the center of our life, we pray, God. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me pray just a quick blessing over you this morning. Lord, thank you for the opportunity. Maybe we're a first-time visitor. Maybe we've been here for years, but thank you for bringing us here, Lord. I pray that you would go with us now and, uh, Lord, work through our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you go.